This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Welcome to the show today. It is time to again celebrate the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I want to cover some items from a speech that he gave on the 16th of August in 1967. It was the 10th anniversary of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. And he also in 1967 wrote a book called Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos or Community? And some of the concepts from the book were also in the same speech. And I'm titling today's topic, Love and Power, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s Recipe for Success, Part 1. Let's unpack a little bit about what he said about love and power as the ultimate recipe for success. And I'll warn you now that although I am quoting him in many places today, it's in a different order than how he actually gave the speech. So this is what the message meant to me. You may want to go back and listen to it for yourself. When Dr. King talked about love and power, he said, love and power are not polar opposites. There is no problem with power if it's used correctly. He then talked about the German philosopher Nietzsche, and he said that Nietzsche misinterpreted a few things and therefore rejected Christian love. On the other hand, Christians often misinterpreted a few things and rejected Nietzsche's concept of the will to power. Love as resignation of power, he said, is a misinterpretation. Power as a denial of love is a misinterpretation. Power without love is reckless and abusive. Love without power is sentimental and anemic. Power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice. Justice at its best is correcting everything that stands against love. Dr. King went on to say that whites often seek power devoid of love, and that leads to immoral love. And then he said, blacks seek love without power, which leads to powerless morality. Power is the ability to achieve purpose, to bring social, political, and economic change. So we can see from Dr. King's remarks that love and power go together for the best effect. So let's not get lulled into a false dichotomy. God is love, yet God in the person of Jesus Christ has all power and all authority. Jesus had compassion and love, and yet he had all power to heal, to forgive sins, 
to transform lives. And the healings he did were amazing. He healed people from leprosy. He healed people from deafness and blindness and lameness, things that were not typical in terms of the healing of the day or even our day today. So we see that in Jesus Christ, there is that combination of both love and power. And we are most like God when our power is combined with his love. It's both and rather than either or. Another point that I think is important in what Dr. King was talking about is the concept of renew your mind. And those of you who are familiar with trans leadership will know and understand that's a powerful concept to me because of Romans 12 2, which is the Bible verse that inspires this business known as trans leadership. It comes from Romans 12 2, which in part says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what Dr. King said is, as long as the mind is enslaved, the body can never be free. He talked about the fact that there were 134 words for white in the thesaurus, and every one of those words was positive. There were 120 words for black in Roger's thesaurus, and all of those words were negative. Things such as a white lie, which is better than a black lie. Or even if you are a problem to your family, being called the black sheep of the family. And so many other examples that he gave. And he went on to say that the Constitution had said that the black man was 60% of a person. And at the time in 1967, a black person was valued at 50%. There's a problem of being taught we are nobodies for so long, he said. And he goes on to say, I am somebody, a man with dignity and honor, in spite of being called boy. He learned the dignity and courage of being a man. And in our times today, when we talk about microaggressions, back at that time and also at our current time, there are both macro and micro aggressions of all different sorts. Dr. King says, I have a great history. I am black and beautiful. Human worth is not based on income. Identify the unassailable and majestic sense of value in every person, in all persons. His vision was all God's children walking hand in hand together. And he said the problem of American whites is that they have an inaccurate and unrealistic view of the ongoing plight of black people in America. And I can say that this is still true today. I have many white colleagues and friends who honestly believe that racism is over, who honestly believe that the fight for civil rights has been won. They don't seem to understand that there are ongoing issues and challenges which have not left and that we are still dealing with on a daily basis. And in the spirit of the book that was called Black Like Me, sometimes I wish I had a magic wand where I could turn them black for just two weeks. 
I wouldn't do it for longer because they might not make it. When they discover that there are disparities alive and well, even today, at this time in our history and in our society. So that lack of understanding and the unrealistic view is often what fuels inappropriate policies, inappropriate ideas about what it takes to go forward. So I would go further to say that it's important to know and value who you are. It's important to appreciate and value others. And I would say that what I find that my white friends really don't understand, I want to share with them what reality is really like. Some still may not believe it. They think that sitting in their chair, they can understand what it's like to be black in America. And sometimes I have to let them know that this is something they really don't know about personally. I also think it's important that as we value ourselves and value others, that we then identify how to work synergistically together to fulfill God's kingdom agenda on earth. That's what we're here for. So once we have understood that love and power go together, once we have transformed our minds in a better way from where they were before, then it is time to unite to fight poverty. So what Dr. King said about this, he said, the whole of America must take a turn toward economic justice. There is this problem of doing nothing to eradicate slum conditions. He said everyone is worrying about the long, hot summer with its threats of riots. And he says we had a long, cold winter when little was done about the conditions that create riots. We've got to think about that today. There are conditions that have been unaddressed that create riots in different communities. We have to unpack that and get behind it. And as Dr. King would say, create equality of opportunity. That's really what he was all about. And he said that radical change is both just and necessary. We have to organize our strength into economic and political power. We have to create full employment to address at that time 40 million poor in America. He says it's important to transform the poor into purchasers with cash to use in their struggles, to put God's children on their own two feet on this earth. And he said there needs to be a restructuring of the whole of America. An edifice that produces beggars must be questioned. Many people mistakenly thought that Dr. Martin Luther King was communist. However, he was no communist. He was a very well-read man, and he was aware of communist ideology. And what he said is that communism forgets that life is individual, and capitalism forgets that life is social. It's a synthesis of the individual and the social that is called for in modern times. He talked about Nicodemus in the Bible, and he said that 
America, like Nicodemus, must be born again. The whole structures must be changed. And Jesus, when he was talking to Nicodemus, didn't nitpick with Nicodemus about individual sins of lying or cheating or stealing. He told Nicodemus that he had to be fully born again. So when we unite together to eradicate poverty, when we unite together to create economic opportunity, that's when we begin to see our world change. And Dr. King was not just talking about inspiration or a philosophical position. He had results to back up what he was talking about. We don't have time today to share all of those results. However, I do want to share just a couple of examples of success when people unite to fight poverty, disenfranchisement, and injustice. So he gave one example from Cleveland, Ohio, and he was talking about the SEAL test dairy company. And I remember seal tests. They were very popular in the 1950s and in the 1960s. And at that time, the milkman would come to your house every day and would drop off the daily milk. And the milk that we received was from the seal test company. Seal test was known for milk and for ice cream and other dairy products. And at that time in Cleveland, they had 442 employees. Only 43 of those employees were black people, although Cleveland at the time was 35% black. What Dr. King and his colleagues did is they distributed and posted leaflets urging stores not to buy from seal tests. They put pressure on these stores who refused to comply. And they did an economic boycott where in the black community in Cleveland, the people would not purchase seal test products, nor would they patronize stores that were selling seal test products. As a result of that, in one day, 18 A&P grocery stores, and I remember the A&P grocery stores from back in the day too. They were as popular as a Safeway or anything else you might know of today. Those stores, 18 of them closed in one day because they didn't have enough business to continue to be open. So at that point, this got the A&P's attention and they then removed all the seal test products from all of their stores in Cleveland. Mind you, all the stores in Cleveland, not just in the black neighborhoods. And then A&P Grocery went to seal tests, talked to them and said, if you don't correct these problems, we will remove seal test products from all A&P Grocery stores in the state of Ohio. That was amazing. When they finally got that worked out and straightened out, not only did the seal test company begin to involve the people in the community in economic opportunities as far as employment. There were some other gains. Their company, as well as A&P and other companies, started to advertise in the local Black newspapers, which was, again, bringing in revenue to the community. They also began to bank 
with the two financial institutions that were Black-owned financial institutions, again, bringing revenue into the community. That's one example. Dr. King also shared another example from Atlanta, which was a move of the Ebenezer Baptist Church, when they built 152 units of low-income housing that also had space for elderly tenants, it was in a premium downtown location, and they realized they could build $40 million of new housing in a choice location. And this building project employed Black architects, attorneys, workmen, and many other people in different trades and different expertise. And they also created jobs and brought in money to the local community because of the establishment of financial institutions and other enterprises. So the bottom line of what Dr. King was saying in his own words, he says, in essence, if you respect my dollar, then you must respect my person. We will spend no money where we have no voice and no respect. And in today's time, money still talks. Individually, we may not have enough to make a difference. However, collectively, we can make a difference. We can raise our voices in such a way that we point out and show the injustices and that we will boycott the places that do not stand for what is right. Dr. King went on to really remind people to continue their faith in mass nonviolent action and actions at the ballot box. The right to vote recently been awarded, although not uniformly applied at that point. And he really believed that it was nonviolent action and using the tools of voting that really would make a difference. And so he issued a warning about some recent riots that were taking place at the time, and he called them painfully sad. And he said people were fighting hopelessly and aimlessly against impossible odds. It's suicidal with no concrete gains except a little money that you might get from some frightened legislators. However, that's not enough to be sustainable. That is not going to be what ultimately changes lives and moves the needle on poverty. He went on to say that it's organized protests, demonstrations, boycotts that are more effective. In a violent racial situation, the government can call on the local police, state troopers, National Guard, and the military to quell any violent uprising. And he said there will be no sympathy or support from the white population. So don't hold any romantic illusions about this. He says no internal revolution succeeds with violence unless it first loses the support and control of the armed forces. And he did not foresee those kinds of outcomes in the United States. So Dr. King said it was important to avoid some things. He said, avoid solutions that don't solve. Avoid answers that don't answer. Avoid explanations that don't explain. Go for justice, brotherhood, and truth, not violence. 
He went on to say, you cannot murder, murder with murder. And it reminded me of a Bible verse where Jesus is speaking to one of his disciples who cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant in the garden of Gethsemane. When they came to capture him inappropriately, he said, no, put the sword away. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And so Jesus healed the servant's ear and put an end to that violence. We cannot, Dr. King says, establish truth with violence. Love is the only answer to man's problems, a strong and demanding love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. The highest good is found in love. Love is not morally wrong because God is love. And if you have not love, no matter what else you have or do, all else is nothing. So as we hear these words of Dr. King today, and we hear his message about the combination of love and power, the importance of renewing your mind, the importance of uniting together to deal with poverty and economic opportunity issues. We also want to pay attention to nonviolent social change and to keep that in front of us because even in our society, some have forgotten and they have begun to invoke violence and destruction instead of what is more powerful. So as I want to issue some questions for you, who are in the corporations of this world, those of you who are corporate leaders, these are the questions I want you to think about. How are you partnering with the communities in which you reside to create economic opportunity for all? In other words, take a lesson. Don't be like SEAL tests back in the day. Number two, How are you benefiting those constituent groups who purchase your products and services and keep you in business? Number three, what are you doing to create mutual benefit? Four, how are people better off because you are in the community? Number five, what more can you do both inside the corporation with employees and outside the corporation in the community to be an even better corporate citizen? Those are questions to think about as we close today with a powerful reading that Dr. King actually personalized. I won't use the personalized version, but this is 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, starting with verse 1. And the Bible says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, It profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself and is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, 
does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. That's Paul in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, verses 1 through 8. So as you go through your day and through your week, remember these words of exhortation about how love never fails. And love is the powerful answer. And it's love combined with power and agency that makes a difference. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.